So, you know, there is a bit of a traditional order with the season of Advent um, where you talk about, or where we at FCG talk about love, joy, peace, and, and hope. Four, four things that this Advent wreath, these candles represent, the fifth candle representing Christ, the Christ candle, his arrival, Advent means arrival. Uh, I, I've never been 100% positive what the global traditional order is, but I know that this year I wasn't even considering that because I was preparing for Advent. I said this last week. I'm going to say it briefly again today. The Lord was just showing me how as we begin to operate in each of these attributes, each of these things that we celebrate at Advent, one can very easily and naturally lead to the other. Last week we talked about love because when we understand just how much we are loved, uh, we will then not be able to help but operate out of peace. When you understand your love, when you understand that God loves you so much today as he did yesterday, he loved you as much today as he did when you were at your best. He loves you today as much as he did when you were at your worst. His love for you doesn't change. I shared this with somebody recently. He said he didn't feel like he was doing enough for the kingdom, and that was leading him to always questioning his love, how much he was loved. And I told him, I said, listen, just let me speak this into your life. If you left this house today and locked yourself in a room and never came out again for the rest of your life, you would be just as much loved being locked in that room as Billy Graham was standing in front of millions of people telling them the gospel. You're just as loved without having to do anything. You cannot earn the love of God. It's unconditional. It's unconditional, it's kind at all times. It is, and we could go down, listen to last week's message because when you understand how loved you are, it will, you will walk in more peace on accident than you ever have on purpose. And when your mind is filled with peace, instead of the cares and the worries of this world, you will have capacity to hope and when you hope as a believer, it's not like the world's hope. It is hope that is the substance. The hope is the substance of things. Faith, I'm sorry, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. What does that mean? That hope is like the director of our faith, like, a, like, the, like the director of an orchestra. He's standing in front. He's telling the orchestra where to go and what music to play. We have a music director, Will back here playing guitar and he has that, that microphone. You might see him talking or you might think he's singing into it, but you never hear his voice. He's actually speaking and directing to the rest of the band in their ears, telling them, let's go here. Let's play this chord. Let's sing this phrase over and over again. He's the director. That's like hope. Hope is standing in front of your faith and it's saying, let's go somewhere. If you're wondering why your faith hasn't been activated, it might be because you stopped hoping. Hope is telling your faith where to go. So when we know how much we are loved, we have peace on the inside. And when we have peace on the inside, we have capacity to hope. And as we hope and our faith moves, man, joy follows. The Bible says that a dream fulfilled is like the tree of life. Man, when you begin to see your hope, bring those, your faith, bring those things you're hoping for into the natural world, Man, joy overflows. That's why we're doing it in this order. Today, we're talking about peace and not just any peace. Peace beyond understanding is a promise for the believer. It's written about in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. One of my favorite passages, I call this the prescription for worry. I've had this conversation with a lot of folks who deal with anxiety and worry and fear. 
I always go to Philippians 4 and I say, let me give you a prescription. Okay, here's what Paul says. Don't worry about anything. Also, I like to point this out. He, he said this from the depths of a dark prison, right? And he said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. That's the prescription. It's three parts. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. You know what it is? It's not necessarily the formula that's like the magic words or like the magic thing to do. It's really, this is an invitation into relationship. This is God reminding us that even when you're going through stuff, I'm inviting you to have this relationship with me. Let's have a conversation. Tell me what you need. Pray about it. Thank me for the things I've done. And what happens when we take our prescription? Let's read the next sentence. Then you will experience God's peace. That's not your peace. That's not the world's peace. It's God's peace. There's, a, there's an apostrophe. That means that it belong, that means the next thing belongs to this person. God's peace. It belongs to him. And because of Jesus, he has deposited that peace inside of us. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. The King James is probably the best translation of that. Peace that passes understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So when we take our prescription... Instead of worrying about it, instead of carrying these cares, instead of trying to figure out how it's going to work out or how I can fix it, I'm going to tell God what I need, pray about it, thank him for what he's done, and then this peace that passes understanding will fill my heart. This is what I have been thinking about personally and considering for the past probably five or six weeks. We as believers forfeit that peace beyond understanding at times. And do you know when we do it? Do you know when we forfeit that peace? Do you know when we give up the peace that belongs to us? When we try to understand. If it's peace beyond understanding, we give it up when we try to understand. We lay it down when we try to pick up figuring it out. And I know as a, me, my personality, and I know a lot of uh, guys in here probably, uh, it seems like this is more prevalent in, in men uh, that we like to fix things, right? I, if, whether it's a, a kitchen cabinet, right? Or, or if it's, if it's our, our, our family's issues, I just want to dive right. I want to fix this thing before the sun goes down, right? I'm going to work hard. And if the sun goes down, I'll just stay up all night. I'll fix it, right? I want to fix things. However, there are some things in life that are just outside of my wheelhouse. Thank you, God, that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside and nothing is outside of his wheelhouse. Nothing is outside of his knowledge. That's good news. That's good news because if you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We forfeit our peace beyond understanding when we try to understand. And here's one more. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Sometimes I've been guilty of this, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I am saying that even when I look up to the heavens and I say to the Lord frantically, how are you going to figure this out? This is your problem. What are you going to do about it? Maybe the answer doesn't always immediately come. But even that, I'm forfeiting that peace beyond understanding. Because Philippians 4 doesn't say, when you carry a care, when you are worried, try to figure it out, and God will give you peace beyond understanding. When you're worried, ask God how he's going to figure it out. And, and, and don't, don't, don't tarry until you get the answer. Don't stop until you get the answer. 
I'm all for praying. I'm all for seeking and knocking, right? I'm not trying to tell you not to do that. But what I am saying is that when the answer doesn't come immediately for whatever reason, I don't believe the Lord's withholding. I just think that uh, sometimes he doesn't tell us things for our own good, right? How am I going to get to this dream that you put in my heart? Well, it's going to take a whole lot of work. It's going to take this much money, this much time, this much effort. Sometimes that would freak me out enough I'd run the other way. Sometimes he's not telling me things for my own good. Sometimes maybe I'm just not listening. My point is that there are times in life when I can't figure it out. And when for whatever reason... I'm not even hearing something directly from the Lord that says, here's how you're going to do it. Here's steps one, two, three, and four. What I do have is a promise that he says, when you put your hands to something as one who delights in my word, as one who delights in my law, in my presence, it will prosper. So even if I can't see the path, even if I don't have it figured out, even if he doesn't download the roadmap into my mind, when I try to figure it all out, I forfeit that peace, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to forfeit that peace because it belongs to God, and he's given it to me. He's given it to you. It is yours to have. Years ago, Lisa and I, uh, if you don't know us, we also have a music ministry. We've recorded albums, and we uh, were worship leaders here at this church for 13 years on staff before we stepped in as lead pastors. And... Uh, years ago, we were dreaming about doing a new album. And if you don't know anything about albums, they're expensive. We needed about 50 grand to do this album. And I sat down and mapped out uh, a travel, travel detail. It's like, here we go. We can travel and play music. If we, if we do this about every other week this year, by the end of the year, we'll have enough money. We'll just go ahead and pay for this thing up front and record this next album. Well, we know we heard the Lord say to record this album. The next thing we heard was don't travel at all the entire rest of the year. Just stay planted, stay home, serve your church, and don't go anywhere. In fact, if we heard the Lord say, if anybody invites you, don't even go. That was my entire plan. Go raise the money. Go places and play music and sell CDs and T-shirts and put it all towards an album. But the Lord told us no. So we decided to say yes to God. It's usually a good decision. You know, when you say yes to the Lord, if you look in the word, the people that say yes, they always end up finding their supply within that yes. yes. Elijah, yes. go to the brook. I've commanded ravens to feed you. He went to the brook. He found food. Go to the widow's house. She's got food there. Well, she really only had a little bit of food there. Ended up being provision for him and that family. When you give the Lord a yes, you find your supply. Okay, that's, that's, that's the word. So we gave the Lord a yes. That Christmas, we went to Nicaragua with ambassadors to the nations. We, our family spent uh, the week of Christmas in Nicaragua at our schools and at that graduation and giving out gifts. And, and I'm just going to tell you this story. As we were there, walking the streets of Nicaragua, a, a, a couple that we knew, we were getting to know them pretty well. Uh, I'm not going to give you all the details, but they ended up having a chance encounter with the producer we wanted to use for that album. During their meeting, it was completely spur of the moment, he mentioned our names, they knew us. He said, I've always wanted to work with them. They said, why haven't you? He said, I don't know if they wanna pay me. And they said, okay, well, fine, we'll pay you. 
And they worked this thing out where they gave our ministry a $50,000 gift to cover that album. They gave it directly to the producer we wanted to work with while we were out of the country. And they didn't even know each other before that meeting. The Lord set the entire thing up because we gave a yes to him. I mean, he set it up before, but I'm telling you, it happened because we gave our yes. Stopped trying to figure it out, and he figured out the details. So in January, we started recording the album we wanted to record with the producer we wanted to work with and didn't have to go travel for six months and get exhausted raising the funds. It was awesome. And that's not the only time in our lives things have worked out when we have stopped trying to figure it out. And I bet you right now within yourself, you're thinking of times in your life when you thought, well, I had to lay this down. And when I laid it down, all of a sudden the Lord figured it out. And I could give you story after story. Lisa was ready to move four or five years ago away from Charlotte, and I wasn't. And so she was looking on Zillow, driving me crazy, sending me every house she found and telling me how we can change it and remodel every room. And it felt so overwhelming. I finally said, you got to stop. Like, you got to stop. I'm getting overwhelmed just thinking about it. But then at the exact right time, man, something happened and my heart changed. She didn't try to do it. She didn't try to figure it out. It happened. And it, when it was time, it happened fast. The Lord worked it out, and uh, that's what happens. So the question here is, uh, if, if we can identify areas in our life where we have laid down our promise, our gift of peace beyond understanding, because we've tried to figure it out or because we've asked the Lord, you better tell me how you're going to figure it out. It's all about our focus, right? Where's your focus? Is your focus on Fixing the problem is your focus on, on making it right or is your focus on the king of kings who wants to do it and who's kind of asking you gently, just get out of the way for a minute. Let me do this. Just let me do this. Have you ever worked with somebody and, and, and you know for a fact you're starting to get on their nerves because of how much of a novice you are? And even if it's the most loving person in the world, eventually they're going to give you this whole, uh, just, 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 just let me handle this one part. Just let me do this one thing because they know what they're doing. And you don't. For me growing up, it was holding the flashlight, I guess. I never knew where to hold the flashlight for my dad. Does anybody relate to this? It was never in the right spot, ever. Eventually, he just took the flashlight. He knew where he wanted it. I never knew where he wanted it. Uh, he should just take that flashlight. If somebody relates to that in here, because that is very real. Um, but, you know, the Lord sometimes is just saying, listen, I, I'm the one that can fix this. I've seen it before it even happened. I had the answer before this thing even rose up. Just let me do it. So what I got to do is I got to stop trying to figure it out, and I got to put my focus, my attention on the king of kings, on the one who is the fixer, not the fix. And then I got to stand on trust. I got to stay in trust. There is a difference between faith and trust. And in a second here, I'm going, to get, I'm going to get to that. I'm actually skipping over a huge part of my message here because I really feel strongly about this last part I want to get to here, these last two little sections. But, you know, Jesus is peace incarnate, right? We got to put our focus on peace incarnate. Why? Because we become what we behold. That's the word of God. It says we become what we behold. I even spoke about that last week. But it's the same. When Jesus was born, and you have this account in the book of Luke where the angel in Luke chapter 2 makes the announcement, and the angel says, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. If peace meant the absence of war and famine, the absence of poverty, the absence of, of, of conflict, 
then that would have been a lie, right? But the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, because the angel was announcing the arrival of peace incarnate. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus, right? He is peace. We just sang it. He is peace. He is joy. He is love forevermore. We sing when we keep our eyes, our focus, our attention on him, the fixer, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. When we keep our eyes on him, the peace that he is then becomes a part of that moment. It becomes a part of that moment as we, things are tumultuous around us. He becomes our anchor, right? Do you know a, a ship, a, a ship at sea, peace is like an anchor. A ship at sea, uh, it, 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 it's okay if a storm comes. It's okay if the winds get tumultuous, if they have an anchor, right? Peace it, it, with, for this, for a ship at sea is not so much the absence of the storm or the waves. It's the presence of an anchor. You throw it in the water and it holds that ship steady through whatever's coming around it. That's what peace is. It's something you have. It's something you own. It's something on the inside of you because Jesus, his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And when we put our anchor in the water and we stop trying to figure out how I'm going to get through this storm, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? We just put our anchor in the water and then we do what we're called to do as believers is just rest in him. Rest in him. You think you have a hard time resting in a storm? I mean, our, our best example did it. Jesus was resting his head on a pillow as the boat was filling up with water because he knew, he knew they were getting to the other side. Keep your focus. What has your attention? Is it trying to fix it or is it the fixer? Put your attention on the fixer. Put your focus on him. Isaiah 26.3 is a great verse. I hope it's one of your life verses. It says, Thou will keep, thou will keep him in perfect peace, Amen. whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth thee. That's a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Keep your, faith on, keep your eyes on the fixer. He'll keep you in peace because you'll trust him. This is what I was getting at here. Faith and trust are two different things. Sometimes they get interchanged. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. You can read, it, read about it right there in 1 Corinthians. That is a gift. We receive faith when we become born again. I think you'll be able to relate to this. It's kind of, this is a good way to describe uh, what, I'm, what, what Lisa and I were talking about this week. It's kind of easy sometimes and exciting to take a step of faith, okay? Hear me out, right? There's something in front of you. The Lord says, I want you to do this. It's a little bit out of your zone. It's, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, right? It's a little out of your box. He says, I want you to take a step of faith. Could be a new job. Could be uh, we've got four new babies here in this, in this community. We got one on the way. It might be a step of faith when the Lord says, hey, it's time to have kids. It might be a step of faith for you to say, all right, I'm maybe ready to be a parent. We'll find out, right? A step of faith. That's a step of faith. Maybe it's uh, coming to church. Maybe you haven't been to church for, for a long time and the Lord's saying it's time to get back in church and you got to take a step of faith, step into that door. Steps of faith, I'm not saying they're easy, but they are sometimes exciting and in a way, they are easier than what comes next. Because you take the step of faith, and then all of a sudden, you're out of your box, you're out of your comfort zone, and a lot of times, there's no going back. That's when trust steps in. That's when you got to, after you take a step of faith, just trust. And after you take that exciting step of faith, a lot of times, there is a storm that shows up. The wind starts blowing. The water starts rising. 
the bills start coming in. The tension starts coming in. Whatever it is, you take that step of faith, and then all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh, I'm here. And there's no going back. This happened to the children of Israel. They went out of Egypt with celebration. They went out of Egypt as kings and queens and priests. They had all the gold. They had food. They had the bounty. They were alive. They were celebrating. And then they stepped into the wilderness, and they had several moments when they realized, oh, there's no going back. We were pretty comfortable there. Maybe we were slaves, but we had food. Maybe we were slaves, but we had a roof. Maybe we were slaves, but we at least knew what to expect every day. But they're in the middle of a wilderness and trust stepped in. And, and they made some good and bad decisions, right? We could talk about them all day. But let's talk about me and you again. How many times have you stepped out of the boat? How many times have you stepped into the storm? How many times have you stepped out of that comfort zone, you took a step of faith that was exciting, it was fun, it was fresh, and then a few days or weeks into it, realization, ooh, this is not as comfortable as it was a few weeks ago. This is not my normal surroundings. This is not what I'm used to. I don't know where the next meal is coming from. I don't know if that next paycheck is going to look like the last one. I don't know if this community is going to love on me or eat me alive. I don't know if this, I don't know, I don't know. That's when we have to keep our eyes on the fixer, keep our eyes on the one who has the answers, keep our eyes on Jesus, on his word, and stand on trust. There is a difference between that step of faith and then just remaining in trust. I got a lot of respect for people that step out in faith. I got even more for the ones that just stand and trust and don't turn back. Don't turn around. Don't go back to the way things were. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. <laughs> Uh-oh. Somebody's sitting out today. Somebody needs to change their fantasy lineup right now. <laughs> Heard the ESPN notification. <laughs> I don't mind if you change your fantasy lineup while I'm preaching. It's important. This, these are the last two weeks of the season. We got playoffs starting, I think, either next week or the week after. You better, you better take out Taysom Hill. He's sitting out for the Saints today. You're going to have to go find a tight end that's coming off the bench or something just to get a few points. Keep your eyes on the fixer. <laughs> I got to fix it. I'm giving him a hard time because my, the only reason my phone didn't go off just now is because it's on silent. I got the same notification. <laughs> I heard it vibrate on the podium, but I heard it. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the fixer, not trying to fix it. Is it hard? It, 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 in human terms, yeah, it's hard. But you're not just human. That's not all you are. That's not all I am. There's a whole nother part of you. And it's the, the more real part of you, if you want to be honest. The human part of you and I will fade away. I don't know how many years we have, right? Maybe, uh, whatever. We, we got a limited number of years in these mortal bodies. But there is a part of us, there's a part of you that will live forever. And if you don't realize it right now, I promise you in a million years from now, when you still exist and you're still alive, I, I, I don't know that this will just be a faint memory but it will just be a small amount of time compared to how long you and I are going to live and worship and exist. It's forever. It's eternal. So why not just start now seeing things with these eyes? 
Why not start now, not walking by sight, but walking by faith? Why not take those steps of faith? And then in those moments when I'm tempted to figure out how to fix it, am I saying that we just need to fly by the seat of our pants all the time? No, that again may be the human way to do it, right? There might very well be times in your life when the Lord says, here's what's going to happen, go do it. But I know in my own experience, when I take a step of faith, what I have seen more often than not is what it says in the book of Psalms, that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you imagine that was three, 4,000 years ago, that lamp was, I don't know, about this size maybe. And it wasn't one of those mega atomic flashlights that can light up all of Gastonia. It's a little lamp that you got to hold about right here and you can see your next step. And here's the thing about walking down a path. If you can only see your next step, you can keep moving forward without stumbling. You can keep moving forward without tripping up. Do I want to see the whole path illuminated? Yeah, I do. Do I see the whole path illuminated all the times? No, I don't. But do I have a word? Do I have a savior that will at least light up that next step every time because that's his word? So how do I walk in peace? How do I operate in peace? Keep my eyes on that light. Keep my eyes on his word. Keep my eyes on the fixer and lay down wanting to know everything all the time. Take that prescription for worry, for cares. It says, don't be careful or, or be careful for nothing is what it says in the King James. And I like that translation. Instead of don't worry about anything, be careful for nothing because there's a difference between, to me, worry and care. Worry is the picture of sitting down and to me, worry is like the opposite of hope. You sit down, you picture the negative outcome instead of the positive. But carrying cares, sometimes that can even look uh, holy. Sometimes that could even have the appearance of something noble. I'm carrying all these cares. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm doing this for, for my, I carry all the cares of my family and, and, and I carry all the cares of our church or I carry the cares of if, if I stop showing up to work, this place would shut down. Maybe that's true. But don't forget whose burden you're meant to carry. It's the burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If the burden is heavy and it's weighing you down and take it off. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying change the way you think about it. Change the way you process these thoughts. Take the focus off how I'm going to fix it, how much I'm needed, how if I don't show up, it all falls apart. If I don't cook the dinner, everybody's going to starve. If I don't do this, this is going to happen. If I don't do this, this will happen. Listen, do what you have to do. Do what you have to do, but change your focus. Change the focus from the fix to the fixer, and his peace will flood your hearts. His peace that passes all understanding when we stop trying to understand will be completely present in our mind and our hearts. To me, that's really good news because there are things that have to be done in life. There will be steps in front of us where they are steps of faith. It's good for me to know I might not be able to figure it out when I get there right away, but I know if I keep my eyes on him, his word will light up my path. When I keep my eyes on him, I can take every step forward in peace. Man, it's really easy to start putting our hope, our trust, and our focus on things that we can see. It's easy 
to, to uh, ha- have, have peace and to walk in joy when the bank account is really full and the paychecks and the royalty checks and whatever else is coming in, right? That's the easy time to have peace. But it can be gone in a second. I don't care how much you have, it can be gone in a second. Ambassadors has a team in Nicaragua right now. Our, our pastor there, Pastor Daniel, his family was wealthy. His family was wealthy, and he was a pretty famous DJ back in the 70s in Nicaragua. He, he, he wore this. If you ever met Pastor Daniel, picture him. He was wearing, he would wear like his all-white suits, and his hero was Eric Clapton. So he's in Nicaragua. He's playing Clapton on the radio every day, wearing white suits, long hair. His family was wealthy, and then all of a sudden, they wake up one day, and a communist regime had come in and overthrown the government. And these are Pastor Daniel's own words. He said, a million dollars wouldn't have bought you lunch the next day. You got a million dollars in the bank on Friday. On Saturday, a million dollars won't buy you a sandwich. How did they eat? They had to go get in lines. And food was rationed to every family, no matter what was in the bank. Do you know what happened about a year or two after that? An earthquake hit Nicaragua and completely tore down the literal infrastructure of that nation. The buildings collapsed. The houses caved in. Communism took everything away from this country overnight. And then in the one more night, it took what was left away. And all of a sudden, Pastor Daniel, who had even received Jesus during that time, was preaching. And then shortly after, he got thrown in jail for preaching. This guy goes from having everything. The world was his. He could do whatever he wanted, go wherever he wanted. And within two nights of his life, it was all taken away. And he ends up in jail. He got out of jail, if you're curious, because he was preaching in jail. And uh, they, they decided he would do more damage inside than outside. <laughs> so they, they threw him out eventually. <laughs> but this is a real-life story. This is somebody that Lisa has known her entire life. This is somebody I've known for 22 years of my life, who out of his own mouth will tell us stories about how trusting in money is not worth it. If you got all the money you need right now and more, that's awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But take some inventory of yourself. If that's where your trust is, if that's what got your focus, start right now changing that. It's not a good foundation no matter what. I've been reading the book of Daniel this week. Man, if you have your trust and your hope in your country, that's not even a good place to have it. I love my country. I'm going to stand up and sing the national anthem before all of Judah's basketball games, and I'm going to go vote here in a few months, and I'm going to be proud to do it. I love my country, but i got to tell you, my hope is not in this country. It's not in a political party, and it's not in a country. It has to go deeper. If I'm finding peace because my country's in good shape and my political party is in power or my political party is not in power and I don't, whatever it is, if that's where my peace is, it's not worth it. In the book of Daniel, he's living as a stranger in a strange land. He's in exile. He's living in Babylon. He's living, he's living in, in, in this country that was not his country. Yet he kind of rose to power, and he was living pretty good eaten from the king's table, made powerful friends. And if you read the book of Daniel, yeah, he's always blessed throughout this book, but there is a power change three or four different times in his short time living there. He's friends with the king. He's good friends with the king. He's got all the power. And the king says, I had a dream. What's this dream about? And Daniel's like, oh, this dream is about one day you're going to lose all your power and it's going to happen quick. It happened that night. There was a new king the next day and that king didn't know Daniel. Eventually, 
He heard about his reputation and he rose to power. But even then, Daniel's hope couldn't have been in a king or a nation. And ours can't be either because it can all be shaken overnight. I mean, can you imagine if David was standing in front of Goliath, looked down in his hand and saw five stones and looked up at that giant in all that armor and started trying to figure it out? All right. Uh, airspeed velocity times times blah, 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 blah. It's like that scene from A Beautiful Mind, like all the numbers. And he's like, all I have to do is sling it five times, throw it through the air. I mean, try to figure that out. That's not, gonna, that's not where you're going to find peace. Try to think about Daniel. He's not going to find peace. Okay, in 3.8 seconds, I'm going to be in the middle of these hungry lions. If I push this one away while I grab this one's jaws, while I'm kicking that one, I'm going to be all right. No, you can't figure these things out. You just got to take that leap. You got to trust and keep your eyes on the one who has it figured out. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus, who is peace. David knew it and he wrote it in Psalm 20, verse 7. He says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And he had chariots, he had horses, he had armies, he had power. He wrote this That's not where my trust is. If it was, it could be gone tomorrow. That's not where my hope is. That's not where my attention is. It could all be gone overnight, but I'm going to remember the name of the Lord. What about Abraham? Pastor Brittany talked about him a few weeks ago. He did try to figure it out, and he did not have peace when he did. And there's still a lot of not peace happening because Abraham tried to figure it out. He had a word, you will be the father of many nations. He's like, well, uh, I'm not sure if uh, that's going to work the way that you told me it would work. And he tried to figure things out. It caused a lot of stress, a lot of strife. It's still causing a lot of stress and a lot of strife. Currently in real time, we are seeing this still causing a lot of stress and strife in the Middle East right now. I'm not trying to Blame Abraham for uh, all the world's problems he, or, or tell him he's guilty. He, he didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. We have it better than Abraham had. He had a visitation from the Lord, but you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You got it way better than Abraham. He kind of had an excuse. You don't. I'm going to say it again. He kind of had an excuse. You don't. David kind of had an excuse. You don't. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you because of Jesus. It's not based on if you did good or not. David knew that blessing even though he didn't experience it. He wrote, don't take your spirit from me when he messed up. You know, we got a promise that even when we mess up, his spirit is not removed from us. Those guys kind of had excuses. We don't, you don't. For a believer, do you know what happens when when our, our focus leaves the fixer, when our focus is our center point, our attention is on the fix instead of the fixer, on how we're going to get through it instead of the one who's going to take us through it. When it's on all that, what happens is, is what James wrote about. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's basically like being double-minded, right? You're, you're a believer. You got the mind of Christ on the inside, That's what the word says. But instead of operating out of that, 
we go back and forth from our, our carnal thoughts to our spiritual truths. What we see changes all the time. And, and sometimes we go back and forth between what we see in the spirit, what the word says, and what we see with our eyes. Man, if you are getting rocked back and forth all the time, well, today I feel like I'm walking in all the faith. Well, tomorrow, I don't know, I might wake up kind of upset. If, if this doesn't go right, then I'm going to be upset tomorrow. If this thing I'm looking forward to doesn't happen the way I think it should, it's going to rock my faith and rock my world. Listen, if anything carnal, if anything you see is changing what you're standing on and changing where your focus is, man, that's being double-minded. And the word says in James, that's a tough book in some places. James doesn't play. He doesn't mince words. Right? He, he's sometimes, I mean, you read, you read Paul and he's like, listen, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. God's peace. And James is like, listen, if you're double-minded, you're unstable. If you need tough love, read the book of James. It's so tough. Some of the church fathers were trying to get it taken out of the Bible. Martin Luther, one of the uh, 95 theses was take James out of the Bible. He didn't, he didn't like it. It was too tough, but it belongs there. It belongs there. And if you need some tough love, read the book of James. As a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If your focus keeps going back and forth between I'm okay because of what I see in the natural and then the next day it's I'm okay because I know what your word says. No, no, you stay steady. Keep your focus on him. Remember Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The words of David. Some trust in horses and chariots, but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. He is peace incarnate. The angel announced it at Jesus' arrival. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Doesn't it sound a little bit too, this is my final, final thing I want to say, so I'm going to invite the band to come up. But Doesn't it sound a little bit like the words of Jesus in, in Matthew 6, he tells us, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. What are the things He's talking about the things you need to live, food, shelter, uh, water, I don't know, whatever else, finances, earthly things. And the words of Jesus, seek my kingdom first instead of all these things and they'll be added unto you. What if that was really what we made our priority? What if we actually took those words serious and in every business venture, our first priority wasn't make money, nothing wrong with it. I like money, I wanna make a lot of it, I want you to make a lot of it, right? I love what we can do with it. We, we send kids to school because of money, right? We, we, we people in, in India are hearing the gospel on TV because of money that we've been able to give to, to Rajan and Becky. I love what money can do in this world because it spreads the gospel, right? But even in our business ventures, what if our first priority wasn't the money? What if it was to seek the kingdom? Lord, what do you want to do in this business? What if when we send our kids to a, a school or when we're talking about college, our first priority isn't what's the best college? That's a, that's a good question. What's the best school? That's a good question. But also, what if we're seeking the kingdom first? Lord, where do you want my kids to go to school? What do you want to do here? Where are you sending me? What if we actually took these words of Jesus serious and instead of always trying to to fix everything, what we're seeking first is the king and the kingdom. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his promise is that when we do all those things that we need, they'll be added to us. 
Will we be able to see the supply at all times laying out in front of us? Probably not. It'd be great if we could. I would like it personally in my flesh. But sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. And it's not because he's unfaithful. He's always good and he's always faithful. If we can remember that, if we can keep our eyes on him, then what we do not do is lay down that peace that he's promised us. And believe me, I love figuring it out. I like a good set of instructions and I like following them. I don't like just trying to figure it out without the instructions. My mom always tells this story that my dad wanted to learn how motors worked. So one morning he was a he was a pretty wild guy. He just was a little bit spur of the moment. He decided to take the engine of their Volkswagen van apart, take notes on where the pieces went and put it back together. Now the amazing thing is he put it back together, had pieces left over and it still worked. And they drove it for a long time. But I just gotta be honest, that's not me. Give me a good set of instructions. Give me a good YouTube video. I'm going to watch it 25 times and then push pause as I follow each step. This message is not something that comes out of me in the flesh. This message is something that I am preaching to myself as much as anybody else. I want to have it figured out. I want to fix it. That's not always what's in the cards. But what is in the cards is that I have a God who's faithful to his word. He promised that his word will light up my step, my path. He promised that when my focus is on him, not trying to fix it, not trying to figure it all out, that his peace will guard my heart and my mind. His promise is that as I remain in peace, the things I can't figure out, he's going to do it. He's going to figure it out. Will it look like I think it's going to look every time? No. Sometimes it looks drastically different. But let me tell you, it's always for the best when he's doing it and when he's leading the way. The disciples had to get to the other side of a body of water. They may have preferred to go straight through with no storm, but that's not what happened. They got through it completely. They got through it well. And hopefully, they got through it and were able to put a little more trust in Jesus because of it. It's always going to be the best. He's going to take every situation and work it for your good when you remain in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm ready to stop finding my peace in the moments when everything is all right, in the moments when there's peace around me, in the moments when everything is going well. We have an opportunity as the body of Christ to remain in peace at all times because we're a part of a kingdom that never changes, that is never shaken. We have a king that is never caught by surprise, that is never without a solution. We have a king on the throne that is never distracted but knows us and sees us and gave us an invitation unlike other kings to 
constantly come into his courts and to remain there. And Jesus said, I, I would love nothing more than to gather you under my wing like a, like a mother, like a mother hen gathers. The problem wasn't that he wasn't stretching his arms out. The problem was little chickens kept running around. He just wants to gather us under his wing, but for whatever reason, we run away. For whatever reason, we put our attention and our focus elsewhere. His presence dwells in our praises. That's why we worship. And that's why, that's why I'm personally never in a hurry to move on from, from the praise and worship part of our service. We're gonna respond to the word right now with worship. So you know what, I, I think the best call after this message is to just put it in action. I mean, let's all stand together. And as we worship, we're not trying to figure out lunch. We're not trying to figure out Christmas. We're not trying to figure out any of the issues that we came in with. But we're gonna take our focus, our attention, put it on the fixer, put it on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Man, there's a lot of us in this room that have taken steps of faith recently. Let's remain right now in trust. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. Let's worship for a few moments.